Hi, I'm Georgie Frost and welcome to The Pace Setters, the CIO and HPE podcast series which looks at how chief information officers get value from their data to stay ahead of the pack. Throughout this series, we're going to be speaking to data-savvy CIOs and other leading experts to get practical tips on everything from designing a data strategy to using AI. Now, in this first episode, we're looking at the opportunities and challenges that come as organisations look to improve how they capture, store and analyse data. Now, I've got two guests in the studio with me who are thought leaders when it comes to data, both of whom have wide-ranging industry experience, but who come at this conversation from rather different perspectives. Gentlemen, welcome. Please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Carl Hurge, the Chief Digital and Information Officer at the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy. Prior to that, I was CIO at Save the Children UK. I'm here today to discuss the topic of data and how that uh, can be used inside organisations, what the challenges and the opportunities are. It's a broad-ranging subject, but one that is fascinating and really important to the success of many organisations today. My name's Aid McCormack, former technologist, today focused on helping organisations thrive in the digital age, bit of advisory work, keynoting, and I've written six books. I'm going to start with you, Carl. Can you just explain, you told us who you are, now explain a bit more about what you do in layman terms, about the CIO role and why it's important for businesses today, perhaps, dare I say it, more so than it's ever been in the past? Yeah, so my role essentially is it falls into a number of areas. So delivering core technology services to organisations so that they can operate and do the basics well. Um, but increasingly more importantly, over the last uh, number of years, that's shifted from just that to how do you add advantage to the organisation itself? How are you adding value to it? So a lot of my time is spent really liaising with the rest of the organisation and the business to understand their requirements, help advise and shape the future direction of the organisation, um, whether that's you know kind of a largely policy-based department that I'm in at the moment or prior to that save the children you know what might new models be for acquisition of supporters how might we support programs that kind of stuff so a shift away from the old school days of tin and infrastructure through to adding real value by having a a deeper understanding of the organization itself it's no longer acceptable just to kind of be the guys in the back room and not really know where the organization's going itself Given many companies are in the middle of complex digital change programmes, what are perhaps the key challenges facing CIOs at the moment? So I think one of the challenges is that kind of still that shift away from, you know, largely technology teams, which we've been there in the back office servicing um, various demands to getting real in-depth understanding of business units or business areas, the challenges that the rest of the organisation is facing, and then being able to translate that into a set of services and products which support the organisation. So we see a shift away from, uh, you know, ordinarily would be just throw requirements over the fence to the IT team to actually being very much more embedded inside the organisation different organizations are you know they're different so the challenges will be you know kind of again different in some organizations but a lot of similarities and for us it's about trying to understand a complex environment you know the department i'm in at the moment does everything from uh, sort of what the next generation of clean energy might be tackling the net zero agenda through to building an economy uh, and you know a place where the country where everybody wants to kind of thrive and develop their businesses so within that there's quite a far-ranging set of topics and subjects. Mm. So with a limited set of resources, you have to kind of deploy them quite wisely and then understand where you can add, you know, make real advantage. Eight, 
Carl speaks, I suppose, from a on-the-ground, if that's fair, level. You take a more holistic view. How are you seeing roles change and the environment change and some of the things and thoughts that, that Carl's been describing there? Well, I think Carl's identified what you might say CIO 2.0 looks like. It's less about uh, run the business, though running the business is very important. And even growing the business is a bit of a, a detail. You know, you can use technology to make your organisation you know, faster, cheaper, smarter, but a faster, cheaper, smarter Titanic is still a Titanic. So extending into, if you like, change the business models where you're actually looking at reinventing go-to-markets, reinventing financial models and so on, it's great to hear that CIOs are taking an active role in this. And of course, data is a key part of that as are emerging disruptive technologies. I think one of the biggest challenges is that a lot of CIOs, by virtue of their career to date, are still considered back office people and therefore are sometimes not invited to opine on, if you like, policy issues for the organisation. So it's great to hear when it is the case that the CIO is contributing to the, the direction of the organisation. What's the danger then of that, of thinking in that back office way? Both parties could be seen as at fault in the sense that the CIO is perhaps using the old school technology bits and bytes language. Uh, the other side of the coin is that you don't have a tech savvy C-suite. So they don't actually realize the potential of data and technology to disrupt their organization, to disrupt the market and just perceive the CIO as simply the tin manager. The I in CIO uh, stands for information, which of course is a derivative of data. So data is core business for CIOs, in my view. Let's focus more on the data. How do you think that most CIOs would describe their data estates today? Centralised and managed or disparate and out of control? And what's the impact of that on the wider business? Well, I, I wouldn't like to generalise, but generally, the older the organisation, the more of a mess it is. Just by virtue of having legacy systems, cloud-based systems, acquisitions and so on, where essentially it's not all joined up. And whether the organisation itself actually has a let's say, an enterprise data model that actually reflects reality. Because until you get that uh, enterprise data model right, your analytics tools aren't diving into a data lake, they're diving into a data cesspit. Carl? Yeah, I echo that. I think back to Save the Children days, one of the things we did was develop a, a common business model, which was our interpretation of how we saw our supporters, beneficiaries, etc., um, that hadn't really existed. So trying to stitch together disparate data sources without that was incredibly difficult. So we very much took the decision that what we wanted to do was leave that data where it was, but almost abstract up in business terms what we uh, wanted to do with those data sets and how that would help us and then use that to you know, address issues of quality and timeliness of data and everything else that goes along with that. I think that's an approach some organisations take others don't. And I think it depends again on which sector you're in. So, you know, you've mentioned uh, almost, I guess, startups start from ground zero. So, you know, they've not got that legacy. Whereas, you know, some, some highly regulated organisations will have a much better grip in terms of that data for regulation purposes. Um, then you've got the whole kind of gamut of things in between that. So moving between sectors and moving between different organisations, um, I think there's you know kind of lots of commonality, but there's lots of differences as well. 
How seriously do you think businesses, each sector, are taking these issues? I guess there's a lot of talk sometimes in organisations about how serious they take a number of issues, not just data, and then it's down to how well are they going to invest in it and do they have the right skills and experience? And AD mentioned a kind of C-suite and having that seat at the table or having that discussion. I think part of the other role of CIOs is to, to help educate the rest of your peers and the C-suite in terms of the value that data can bring, as well as other digital skills. I don't think it's acceptable in this day and age for people to say, I don't understand that and I don't really know why, given that in our own home lives, we're doing exactly the things that you'd, you know, kind of you would might want to do in the business, but for some reason a, a switch gets flicked in your head when you walk through the door and you kind of forget all of that stuff and you go back to, it's not my problem, it's, it's somebody else's. Um, so which does add to the complication of the CIO role when it comes to that, because you're an educator as well as a, a deliverer of services. So in that regard, how much of this then is about cultural change? It's about cultural change, uh, very much so in terms of we've got a whole generation of people now who are coming into the workplace being used to a certain standard of, if you like, technology or service delivery, and then they're hitting this enterprise wall of old school technology and esoteric ways of doing things. So that in itself is a problem. Coming back to the, I guess, the question about how much of an issue this is, I think it depends on the sector. You know, the digital tsunami is on its way and various sectors are at varying degrees of waking up to it. The energy sector just in particular, has typically sort of thrived on long contracts, ownership of distribution and so on, and are perhaps a bit slow to wake up to the possibilities of intermediaries getting in the way. And and for an energy company, or even an oil company for that matter, to be thinking about the customer experience is something that they've never had to do in the past. I want to focus more on the role, if you can think back, Carl, to young Carl first starting out, to the difference now as to the what you have to do, the role, the culture, the the attitude, the industry, the environment? Yeah, well, I'm going back a long time now. So look, my, my first job out of university was working for a startup, which was incredibly data rich in that sense. The, you know, we were building a race management system and an online game for the Whitbread Yacht Race. We're taking telemetry off of boats, plotting that, so in that sense, nothing much has changed. I think the kind of compute power, the availability of storage on demand has really helped. Um, but that role was very much a, a software developer. So I was basically sat in a back room coding with a bunch of other people. You know, I've moved through that through other startups and you know, that gives you the opportunity to be involved in mergers and acquisitions, all sorts of things that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be doing in, in that career when you're at university or, or before that, through consulting and then into these leadership roles. So, you know, this is very much about the role now is about leading my team and delivering through others. And again, a big shift has been away from sort of command and control type structures that you see to a much more servant leadership approach and helping others to, you know, identify opportunities. Um, no one's given me a, you know, kind of a career guide and a I'm not a believer in a life plan and all the rest of that sort of stuff. I've made my own way by seeking opportunities and taking that. And there's some direct relationships there with with data, I think. We were talking yesterday with some colleagues about how do we get people to be more inquisitive? We've got lots of data sets. And if you're close to that data, 
you understand it quite well and quite deeply. You know where it is. You know how relevant it is. If you're on the periphery of that, you've got less knowledge. And if you don't even know it's there, then you don't know what you don't know. Um, so how do we get people in the mindset they can explore, they can experiment? Um, and that's one of our focuses coming up is, you know, how do we make the data available so that people can answer questions they've not even thought of yet, but may do because they've started playing around with it? Aid? Well, just to add to that, really, I think if organizations start to think of data, much like money, much like physical assets, much like brand and human capital, and think of data as an asset, then there's almost a kind of fiduciary responsibility to sweat that asset. So extracting value from your data is not a, a nice to have or a, a value add. It is let's say, compulsory or mandatory if you're going to run an organization. So somehow or other, we need to kind of get structures in place where everyone can contribute to interpreting the data in a way that it can be turned into insight and then through collaboration technologies, knowledge, wisdom and better decisions and better better services as well for the, for the customers. Well, I want to delve into those issues in a little more detail shortly. But first, we have on the line Chili Fashler who's the Chief Digital and Information Officer at Steinhoff UK Retail. Uh, Chili, welcome. Fire away, ask your question. Thank you, and thank you for having me on. So as you say, my name is Chili Fetchler. I'm Chief Digital and Information Officer at Steinhoff UK Retail, which incorporates leading brands such as Benson's for Beds and Harvey's Furniture. Twelve months ago, having led the IT and process function for three years as CIO, I was promoted to the role of CDIO, Chief Digital and Information Officer, and given full PL responsibility for digital and e-commerce. In fact, from the beginning of this year, this has become my primary responsibility. The CDIO role is becoming much more commonplace and placing CIOs in the heart of the marketing function. Econometrics, planning models, and deep customer insights are becoming a key part of how we make our marketing decisions. As a result, marketing directors are needing to become more versed in data and technology, and IT directors and CIOs are being asked to gain a deeper appreciation and understanding of the business and the customer. As the two major senior roles converge, do CIOs need to practice more art and less science? And do marketing directors need to practice more science and less art? Ultimately, who owns the data? Are CIOs just the custodians of the data? Or are we moving to a place where we own or co-own the data and the decisions on how that data should be utilised? Aid McCormack. Well, yes, there's a lot to think about there. Uh, the idea of converging the um, CIO and the chief digital officer is a very interesting one. I guess in that sense, you're interpreting digital as digital channels to market as opposed to perhaps the digital experience for the employees, but it may well include the employees as well. Traditionally, the CIO has been the person responsible for the, the, the management of the data and less so about interpreting, you know, inferring insights and so on, though the, the IT department may well be providing the analytics tools. I think as more and more of the IT function gets uh, sucked into the cloud, so to speak, I think there is a real opportunity for um, the IT function to take on more of the analysis role and essentially you, the IT function morphs into a, a an army of data scientists. So art or science, well, data fundamentally is science. The interpretation of that data, again, there's a high degree of science involved in that, including uh, machine learning. But of course, in 
you know, what humans are actually good at is spotting weak signals in very small data sets. When we're talking about very large data sets, we might as well leave that to the technology. But as we get towards, if you like, the edge of our data architectures, I think there's an opportunity for uh, humans to jump in and add value. Carl? So my last sort of two or three roles has very much been a a kind of co-owned situation. So whether that's with an analytics community, of which we have a large one in the current organization or back in my previous organization, the marketing team and the digital team work very, very closely together. And that's because um, there's a certain amount of context you may have about the organization, which you might not necessarily understand or get fully working in a technology or digital function. So where you can co-create, I think that adds even more value. But in terms of that shift away from, again, it's analogous to what we spoke about earlier with uh, no longer managing the tin, a large part of what we do is think about visualization in terms of data that we've got. And then that comes back to understanding our customers, which may be, you know, being as part of corporate services, it could be colleagues um, in finance and HR team or the wider organization, it will be them. So what we try and do is understand what's the best medium or method to get them the information that they can analyze and do what they need to do or produce that kind of um, insight. And I think we're we increasingly seem to be shifting away from long, lengthy, wordy documents to actually something which is a bit more graphical. And I help, think that helps with that kind of inquisitive piece as well, because how can you be inquisitive when you've got, you know, eight pages of A4 of text, which is all of a certain font size and bullet pointed uh, to hell? Whereas if you've got a set of dashboards you can drill down in or something which is a picture, that enables you to start thinking about other things. And But everyone's different, right? You need to work out who your customers are, who's the recipient of the report and what's the best way to be able to get that to them. And I think that's sometimes where we don't put enough thought. The number of times I've been around various Exco meetings with people not getting what it is you're trying to get across, yet you shift the format of it um, and all of a sudden that flicks a light bulb. So I think that's something that we need to be more conscious of as CIOs is how do we really present in this data? Who's, who's consuming it? Chili, can I fire that back at you? What's your experience? I think it's changing. And I think my my experience over the past few years have changed from a place where you become more commercial and understanding the business better. And as a result, you, you need to understand what the business needs in order to enable the business from an IT and a data point of view. And then it flips at some stage to being more proactive, where you need to start prodding the business and saying, look, I'm pretty close to this data, and I understand that potentially we could use this data to start making better decisions. So rather than just waiting for your colleagues on the board to say, well, can we get this data? Can we find out more about this? How can we answer this question? Or, or what kind of insights? Or are these the insights that we need? We actually turn around to the business and say, you know what, being as close as we are to the data, we think these are the insights you should be looking at. And actually, we start owning the data and start owning those decisions on how it's utilized rather than waiting for the question. Chili, thank you so much for joining us. Chili Fatler there, the Chief Digital and Information Officer at Steinhoff UK Retail. We've spoken about the challenges a lot, but perhaps less so about the opportunities. And we've heard a lot there about as long as we can get the message right, and let's assume we get the message right, what can the benefits be? So I think a big benefit that we've been discussing lately is time freeing up time for people to either you know kind of work on other other projects other areas or reach decisions quicker than they they ordinarily might have done in the old days 
you know, again, it's going to be different for different businesses and different sectors, um, and whether that's you know product development, um, speed to market, etc. For us, there's a big piece about insight and understanding our organisation. So, so we're looking at data in, I guess, three areas: as the corporate data, what do we understand about our employees and uh, compliance, etc. There's our kind of programmatic data. So some of the big complex programs running how are they performing how well are they running how what do we understand is there any correlation between kind of certain teams certain areas certain locations and then there's uh, a set of data to inform policy making so whether that's looking at economic growth or it's looking at um, you know number of startups etc or for briefings for ministers so we're kind of tackling each of those areas and at the moment there's an element of we don't know what we don't know so we're looking at something called workplace analytics which looks at how we're um, scheduling meetings and then email volume uh, that's coming back and forth and, and how we're interacting collaborating with each other so that in itself isn't really giving us any answers but if we couple that with our employee engagement surveys you know is there any correlation between the number of meetings that are being held the levels of seniority that are in meetings what does that tell us about the culture of the organization how do we then use that uh, to maybe shift what we want to do in terms of delivery are we over collaborating are we under collaborating how does that all work together so i think there are there are lots of different opportunities i guess what i'm saying is depending on your business and what you're trying to achieve there will be a different set of opportunities i think a lot of organizations are treating their transformational journey like a fire drill when in fact it is a fire. So the speed is not there. And I think as we get into a more uncertain and volatile world, it becomes less about strategy and more about situational awareness. And therefore, data is everything. Data gives you a picture of what's going on outside the organization. Data gives you a picture of what's going on inside the organization. And the difference here is between focus and attention. Focus, you know what you're looking for, but attention is just having a general sense of what's happening in your environment. The samurai that focuses on the battlefield is dead. It's about paying 360 degree, 24-7 attention, and, and data is essential to that. But that's also going back to what Carl was saying about knowing what you know. What about the vision that is outside of what you know? How do you start looking there? Again, it's about exploration. It's creating a culture and an environment um, where you want people to, you know, have the mindset to go off and explore and challenge the kind of norm. So, you know, transformations used often. Lots of organisations don't really transform. They kind of recreate what they've currently got with a new digital platform rather than take a step back and say, if we were born again tomorrow, what would we want to do? And often there's, the, you know, the kind of, the links to Uber and other startups, well, back to what Aid was saying earlier, they've started with nothing from the ground up, with no legacy. So the two worlds often you know, don't relate, really. On that front, um, I'm often involved in advisory projects, and the client is looking for what they describe as uh, digital transformation, but actually what they're looking for is digitalization. They believe that sprinkling a bit of IoT, blockchain, AI across their business will make them good to go for you know the next era, so to speak. So a large part of my job is to explain the difference between transforming your business for the digital age and simply digitalizing your existing factory. All right. Well, we have Jack Gold, who is president and principal analyst of J Gold Associates, on the line from Boston. Jack, you have a question. I do. And thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. I talk to a lot of companies as an industry analyst, uh, and I talk to a lot of enterprises. And one of the problems uh, that we 
find with many enterprises is they really don't know where to start. They understand that they have a lot of data. Uh, they understand that probably 90 to 95% of that data never gets used or never gets analyzed. And they want to be able to do something meaningful with it, get some information out of it, get some insight, some actionable insight out of that data. The question that I often hear asked is, how do I get started? What do I do? Where do I get the resources I need to make all of this happen? How long is this journey going to take? And so what kind of guidance uh, do you folks have for how to get companies moving on this path? Well, if we take a, a military analogy, they have this concept called UDA, which is something like observe, orient, uh, decide and act. So job number one is to understand your environment, observe, and then you can decide what to do next, so to speak. So job number one for enterprises is to ensure that they have as clear a view as to what's going on around them as as possible. Now, you could do that just simply by looking at your Twitter feeds or reading the newspapers, and that has got to be part of your overall data strategy. So step one, in my view, is to get your market attention act together before you start refining, you know, customer preferences and so on, because you need to be aware that new threats and new opportunities are taking on different guises to how they did back in the synthetic steady state era of the industrial age. So I guess in, in addition to that for me is, you know, understand what you're trying to achieve, understand what you've got identify where the gaps are and then look at what you need to do next with that um, and start small. You know, have some discoveries and some experimentation that you can then build on. I think often organizations kind of take the view that, you know, we need a five-year program to cleanse all our data and uh, get it into a single data lake and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. By the time you've done that, is it relevant anymore? So there's that question of relevance and how long do these multi-year programs take when a, when business models are shifting on a weekly, monthly basis, how do you keep pace with that? So if you're in the world of kind of designing those lengthy programs, you're probably in danger of missing something in my view. So the more you can do small experiments and discovery work and kind of keep iterating and building on that, the better is my view. How does that sound to you, Jack? Yeah, it sounds good. Uh, again, a lot of companies are inactive in this space simply because they think they can't get anything done. And, and uh, I fully agree. Starting with a project that you think you can accomplish with the resources you have, even though it's not everything you want to do forever and always, it at least gets you started down that path. And that's a great approach. Jack Gold, President and Principal Analyst of J Gold Associates, calling all the way from Boston. I just want to talk about the CIO's role as, I guess, a guardian of the data vision. We've heard quite a lot of that of a business. Carl? So again, I go back to my earlier comment. For me, that's uh, co-guardians. It's a bit like the, the question of, do you need a digital strategy for the organization or does the organizational strategy just need to be relevant for the digital world? I've got the same view with data, actually, because it needs to be embedded inside every aspect of the, the organization that you're in, abstracting in a way. It's a bit like innovation as well. Mm. If you have a chief innovation officer, are you saying that's the only person that can do innovation or are you equipping your workforce to be innovative? I think the same with data and age, you mentioned earlier something about learning and development and you know working with HR for skills. I think that's the important role for the CIO is to help equip the rest of the organization um, to do some of this work. 
I'm never going to be able to scale my team to cope with the full demand that the organization has. But what I can do is help them to understand what they need to do and deliver that themselves. And that's a model that we're, we're currently employing. I think at a recent event it was termed as citizen developers or citizen data explorers. You know, That sort of process, I think, helps enormously. And I think, I think data is an asset of the organization and almost abdication of duty to dump it on the on the IT function. The IT function can, of course, be the custodian in terms of its security and privacy and so on, and can also make strong recommendations and provide tools as to how to optimize the data. But essentially, the data is owned by the organization. I think another point to make is that Looking at this from a data perspective is a little bit kind of, if you like, supplier oriented as opposed to um, consumer oriented. And perhaps we need to be thinking more about the insights and, as you say, focusing on outcomes like skilling up individuals and so on. So do we need a data strategy or do we need an insight strategy? And ultimately, I think any more than one strategy, i.e. the business strategy, is looking for trouble. Yeah, I agree. We should, you know... You can have all the strategies you like. It comes around to the action and what you're actually delivering in that. So you can, again, you can get too focused on what the strategy might be, yet there's action that's required. So focus on the output and the outcomes. If you really understand what it is you're trying to achieve and you've got the metrics and the measures and the processes in place to help support and build that, everything else will follow in my view. You know, we're talking a lot about automation at the moment. Automation by design ought to be the default if we're really serious about, you know, automating a number of the processes we've got. Don't think of it as an an afterthought. Build it into the business case process. Get it there up front so that you're tangibly thinking about it, understanding what it is you're trying to achieve. And then you've got some measures by which you can uh, tell whether it's a success or not. I just want to go back to what you were saying about, I guess, culture, but also about skilling up your team and making sure that not just the IT team, but actually everyone in a business needs to be on board with that. Is there an element of people here, data, IT and start to panic, don't want to know, it's got nothing to do with me, let's leave that to the IT team. How do you get over that? Because it's a very substantial hump. So I think that's talking in the language of the organisation you're in. So one of the things within our team, because we are the technology team, uh, we can talk in kind of hard technical terms. We've got uh, learning platforms where we've got people running through those and and they're kind of self-paced learning that we've built that up. We've had a 20% increase in uptake of that over the last year, which has been great. But then we've started to look at how do we then take that knowledge beyond our own team and into the rest of the organization. So we have every month uh, a theme which we take to the rest of the organization and we run events, seminars, we invite guest speakers in but it's all aligned to what the organization is trying to achieve. So last month was blockchain month. So we had the land registry who are part of our organization come in and talk about what they're doing on on digital street. Uh, UK export finance came in. We've had some startups working in the insurance sector and social impact. So we're not just throwing technological terms at them. We're talking about the outcomes that these organizations are trying to achieve. And that's where we need to be. You know, nobody asked me about how the email gets transported and whether that's over HTTPS. Well, why do we talk about blockchain or why are we talking about the actual technology itself? Users just want to do stuff. So how do we explain in their language? And that's the approach that we're taking and trying to scale that both within our organization and beyond. I think there's some fundamental changes going to be taking place, not least the gig economy and the throughput of people, not just permanent workers, but uh, freelancers as well. 
But as we realize that the definition of talent in the digital age is being able to do something that an algorithm or a robot can't do, that takes us into the world of cognitive management and cognitive performance management. So this in effect, will require a deeper relationship with the employer in terms of personal analytics. So, for example, to make sure you are performing at the top of your game. So maybe there will likely come a time when HR is monitoring your actual movements to ensure that you get up and move around, to ensure you engage with other people, to ensure you've had a good night's sleep. Now, that would seem for a certain generation like encroaching on your privacy. But for the next generation of cognitive athletes, coming through, this is just seen as good value. I wouldn't resent my coach timing how long it takes me to run around the track or my heart rate once I've finished. So I think we're going to see some fundamental shifts where we get win-wins because essentially we're using data to create cognitive athletes and the organisation becomes a cognitive gymnasium. Cognitive athletes, what a way of putting it. I'd quite like someone to monitor my sleep, though, or to encourage me to sleep. That would be marvellous. Finally, before I let you go, you've already sprinkled some tips throughout the uh, podcast, but what would be your practical tips uh, for businesses to become more data-centric that can help them or give them help to overcome the barriers that we've addressed to take advantage of the opportunities that you've highlighted? So um, I think it comes back to some of the points we've um, we've made throughout the conversation. Really, you know, it's focus on your organisation and the outcomes that you're trying to achieve, and work back from there for me. And then experiment, conduct the discoveries. Don't get too distracted by you know kind of long drawn out processes to approach that, and then keep building. I would say that. Job number one is to encourage the C-suite to be more evidence-based in their decision-making as opposed to, you know, making decisions based on what the CEO had for breakfast. So if you can get a data-driven culture in the boardroom, that will eventually make its way down through the organisation. Well, thank you very much to my guests, Carl Hoods and Aid McCormack. That's all for this episode of The Pace Setters. Next time, I'll be talking to former CIO for the student loan company, Adrian Tucker, and HPE's Head of Information and Data Strategies, Tony Stranach. People are able to proliferate data across a far broader spectrum of different worlds almost and trying to get management and control around all of those assets, those data assets, wherever they sit, is incredibly hard. We'll be looking at IT infrastructure and how to unpick the complex web of IT that is holding your data and your business back. <laughs> 